I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Twitter blue ticks have caused mayhem, just as expected. As you know, the platform started stripping legacy accounts of their famed verification badges from 1st April. Any individual who wants to retain their blue check will now have to pay $8 a month, while businesses would have to pay about $1,000 a month. But it seems that Elon Musk's tactics are not fully working because many users, even the big shots and celebrities, are actually refusing to pay for it and willingly foregoing their blue ticks. The New York Times is one of them. It refused to sign up for Twitter's blue tick subscription, and then Musk pulled off a tit for tat and removed NYT's verification badge. He also went on to tweet his opinions about NYT's feed, saying, and I quote, "Their feed is the Twitter equivalent of diarrhea. It's unreadable. They would have far more real followers if they only posted their top articles. The real tragedy of the NYT is that their propaganda isn't even interesting." End quote. He also called the NYT a quote-unquote hypocrite for asking their subscribers to pay for their services, but refusing to pay for his. Oof! But the thing is, ever since Elon Musk took over Twitter, it's been rather chaotic. Many people, including Twitter's sacked employees, have been complaining about how there's been no clarity around what is it that he actually wants to do with Twitter. I mean, just look at the blue tick saga, for instance. When Twitter first rolled out the new verification process for eight dollars in November. Hundreds of impersonator accounts popped up, unleashing absolute havoc on Twitter. Then the platform had to promptly roll back the subscription service. And then, once again, Musk announced this new blue tick plan, claiming that the old system was "quote unquote" corrupt and nonsensical. However, reports suggest that Twitter actually plans out to give free verification for 10,000 most followed accounts, regardless of whether they pay or not. And apparently, they might even give a free blue tick for 500 advertisers that pay the most on the platform. Now all this has triggered an uproar among celebrities and other news agencies. Following the incident with the NYT, the Washington Post and the LA Times have also refused to go along with the pay-to-stay strategy. Similarly, many celebrities like LeBron James, William Shatner, and others have also decided to boycott the move. And reportedly, even the White House doesn't want to pay for it. An official email to White House staffers read, and I quote: "Twitter Blue does not provide personal level verification as a service." Thus, a blue check mark will now simply serve as a verification that the account is a paid user. End quote. But you're probably wondering what's the harm in paying, right? Well, the real issue at hand here is the potential for this pay-to-verify scheme to create a breeding ground for fake news and identities. Many people are concerned that this service will mask accounts of its authenticity and legitimacy, causing further chaos that might destroy the platform's credibility. As Twitter faces judgment from all circles, now only time will tell whether the tick mark will remain a trusted symbol in the future, or simply become a tool for people who can pay their way to the top. For the next few minutes, you are going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with food for thought. Hi, I'm Shorbury, and this is the deep dive for Fourth April, twenty twenty-three. Capital Foods Private Limited, the brains behind the masala brands Chink Secret and Smith and Jones, has put itself up for sale, and that's causing quite a stir in the FMCG sector. 
Big wigs like Nestle, Kraft Heinz, Hindustan Unilever, Tata, ITC Okla and Nissin Foods are all clamoring to get a taste of it for nearly 1 to 1.25 billion dollars. With Inverse Group, General Atlantic and Ajay Gupta, who's the founder of Capital Foods, being the three main shareholders in this company, the race to become the top chef of Capital Foods is actually heating up. And despite the crowded market for condiments, Capital Foods actually stands out with its one-of-a-kind desi Chinese flavor profile. So much so that industry experts believe that this would be a profitable acquisition for any buyer. And have you noticed how investors seem to have developed a taste for condiments and spices in the last few years? All because these items have become a hot commodity in the market. In fact, it has been that way for a while now. For instance, Dabur India acquired a 51% stake in Bacha Masala for 588 crore rupees last year. Similarly, in July 2020, Kolkata-based spice maker Sunrise was also snapped up by ITC for rupees 2,150 crore rupees. And in September of that same year, Okla, which is a Norwegian food major, acquired Kerala-based Eastern condiments for 2,000 crore rupees and merged it with Southern food company MTR. In fact, even private equity players are now taking notice of the potential in the spice industry. For instance, A91 Partners has invested rupees 126 crore to acquire a 25% stake in Pushp Spices, while Investcorp has taken a minority stake in Intergross Kitchen Treasurer's brand for 80 crore rupees. And if you're into Shark Tank India, then you know that Spices also caught the attention of the sharks of this year's season. Boat co-founder Aman Gupta invested 1 crore rupees in masala startup Zoff at a rupees 80 crore valuation. So what's the deal with the spice sector in India? Why are all the big investment firms, both local and global, so interested in it? Do I need to tell you that India loves its spices? And it's a big opportunity for branded spice companies and investment firms to cash in. In fact, a report by Avendas from 2021 suggests that the spice market in India is expected to reach rupees 50,000 crore by 2025. Furthermore, investing in the masala and condiment industry presents an enticing prospect for venture capital firms who are looking to strike gold in the Indian food and beverage industry. Now, operating in the packaged food industry such as chips, snacks, juices and beverages can be a challenging game for brand manufacturers as profit margins can be as meager as 5-10%. to 10%. So to turn in a decent profit, these manufacturers need to work smartly, efficiently and on a massive scale. Now, the packaged food industry is cutthroat with tons of national and regional brands fighting for a piece of the pie. But the spice market in India is largely unbranded, with most people buying the masalas from the local Kirana store. Now, this means that there's a huge opportunity for brands to convert these customers and create loyal followings. Plus, spices are a necessity in our cuisine. So demand is steady and customers keep coming back for more. And once someone finds a spice brand that they like, they're unlikely to switch to another one. So if a branded spice company can get into their kitchen, they're in for the long haul. And the spice game in India is getting more and more masaledar. Branded spices like the garam masala, pav bhaji masala and sambar masala are muscling in on traditional homemade masalas. And according to the Avendus report, the straight spice segment is increasing at a compounded annual growth rate of 12% per year while the mixed spice segment is rising at a rate of 25% per year. 
Since the pandemic, more urban families have been cooking at home and on their own. As a result, there's been a surge in demand for cooking paste and other ready-to-cook and ready-to-eat aids. But see, entering the spice industry may seem like a sure-shot recipe for success, but the truth is that it's not a cakewalk. Even giants like Hindustan Unilever and the Tata Group starter Sampan have failed to spice up the market. And why is that, you ask? Well, like I said, Indians are fiercely loyal to their local masalas, and every region has its own beloved brands. From the North's MDH to the East's Sunrise Food, from the South's MDR, Eastern, Achi Masala and Shakti Masala to the West's Suhana, every brand reigns supreme in their respective territories. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So send us your feedback at hello at thesignal.co. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM. This episode was written, researched and produced by Akshaya and Manaswini. Edited by Nee Shorbury and Soumya Gupta. Mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are thesignal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.